the quarter to three games podcast for towards the end of February in 2015. My name is Jason McMaster, and this week I'm joined by my constant companion, Brandon Kukowski-Schnell, and also by Tim Stelmach and Chris Siegel, who are uh, working on a new Kickstarter for uh, a revival of the Ultima Underworld series, uh, and I will kick it over to you guys real quick so you can tell us about what's going on with that and where we can find it and all that jazz. Hi, uh, thanks for having us on the show. Uh, we are currently just wrapping up our, well, I guess entering our, our final week of the of the, yeah. uh, the Kickstarter campaign. The uh, stretch. Yep, we, yeah. uh, we, we passed 95% funded today, so go us. I saw that, uh, and, and that's uh, aw- that's awesome. I'm I was like, yeah, please, like six, please. Sixteen grand shy, fourteen yep. grand shy, something like yeah. Sixteen grand shy right now. We've got yep. uh, almost ten thousand five hundred backers. Uh, yeah, it's looking really good. Yep. So you can find us uh, the usual way you find things on on Kickstarter. The the project's name is Underworld Ascendant, uh, and and yeah, we are uh, we are looking very much forward to getting to the point soon where we can start talking about stretch goals. That's awesome. Yeah, and you guys have some pretty cool stretch goals. At least I yes, do. Yes. Uh, I think my favorite is uh, co-op play. Oh, yes. Uh, <laughs> now, now, the co-op play, I mean, how much of a... I mean, obviously, what you guys are planning on doing is, is pretty ambitious. Um, I mean, it's... Uh, uh, so, 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 to go back to this idea of, of ultimate games with um, you know, the fact that, that a lot of the, the, the things that happen in the game are driven by the choices that the player make and how they decide to interact with the environment. Once you add co-op into that, that's a pretty significant um, change to how things could play out for both players. Um, oh, isn't that cool? I mean, how do you, how do you, how do you even begin to, to just kind of plan for something like that, knowing the kind of impact that it would have? Well, the advantage that we have uh, with that, in that respect is that we don't really rely a lot on on scripting out like the, the sort of the branching tree of what the player's choices might be. Mm-hmm. Um, which, in you know, if you were to take that approach, then as soon as you add a second player, obviously there's a whole second second of inputs that all have to have branches accounted for. Um, in our case, though, uh, we're much more simulation based. So we have a physics system and an AI system running. Uh, we're we're taking uh, some new approaches. To simulation, with respect to uh, the the in-game factions having a diplomatic model, having an ecological model that's that's running on top of things, uh, and all of that much more easily accommodates more than one player at a time, um, sort of messing with the system. Um, so that's all to our advantage. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, on top of that, you know, the the one of the biggest uh, issues that can come up in uh, working. Uh, Working in co-op play is sometimes sometimes it's really left uh, until the late stage of a project, or it's or it's added as an afterthought, and you really see the results of that. Uh, right. In our in our case, by making it a stretch goal, uh, we are able to sort of manage our risk, and we'll know fairly early in the in the in the project cycle, mm. you know, whether we're whether we're able to hit that goal. It all, it's all going to depend on on getting the funding for that early enough in the project cycle to be able to be planning for it from the ground up, which is really the the right way to do it. Right now, now when you talk about the kind of the, the simulation aspect and how you're not relying on scripting things, is there the possibility then for kind of the co-op players to 
almost screw each other over in terms of how like if, if one is going to decide to kind of go one way of playing and the other ones decide to go another way of playing I uh, sure hope so. <laughs> that'd, that'd be cool. Sounds good to me. Somebody's trying to look, you know, so, like the good cop, bad cop. Someone's trying to be well, dramatic, and the other guy's like, "Kill them all." Yeah, uh, you know, that's I that's mean, where a lot of the, the the meat comes in in cop play, right? Is is making sure that you're on the same page and planning and coordinating your actions properly, right? And so, without the possibility for that to not happen, you know, there's no satisfaction in when it really is firing on all cylinders. Right. Yeah, yeah, I agree. That's uh, that's fantastic. Right. Um, I think uh, you know one of the, my favorite co-op game, games over the past few years was um, uh, Saints Row Three. Absolutely. And, oh yes. yeah. Absolutely. And that is the correct answer. Not just favorite co-op game, but uh, you know. That might game. be one of my favorite sandboxes of all time yeah. too. Yeah, uh, so far. Um, but one of the things that was great about that was they when you know you the Johnny you and then the other Johnny like you actually could di- diverge and go and mm-hmm. do completely batshit stuff and it, you know it didn't break the other guy's play okay sometimes you ran him over with a car or something right? <laughs> but you know <laughs> it's happened it yeah well it it didn't make up excuses for it it was like yeah you're you know you're gonna be a jerk right now and that's okay and right. you know and that's I think that's a, also part of gameplay every, every once in a while we want to tweak our buddy you know, if we didn't, you know, it would have never created deathmatch. You know, right, and, right. And yeah, I mean, things have changed so so much too. Of course, like uh, you know, you guys worked on. Uh, I know Tim, you were the lead designer of Underworld Two, right? That's correct. Yes. Yeah, and that that was uh, yeah personally my favorite. I love the uh, Labyrinth of Worlds. I love like uh, I just love the way the game felt. Um, oh, thanks. Yeah, it's a uh, it was a really cool game. And uh, man, things have changed though since what was that like ninety three, ninety four? Yeah, it was. Uh, I think uh, Underworld One was ninety two, and Underworld Two was ninety three. Oh so, yeah, yeah. It's uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I remember. Uh, I remember both of those games, and like the Black Gate came out in such a quick fashion around each other. It was it was really crazy, like for Ultima fans. Um, yeah. But, but yeah, well, and, uh, and Serpent Island there too was a was a game that I really loved. So. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I always uh I always remember like one of my favorite things about Origin stuff was how they would have the speech packs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah, I, I yeah, yeah. You always heard the uh the Guardian taunting you, etc. It was always a good time. Um, yep. but yeah, so things have changed a lot since Ultima Underworld and uh and Looking Glass. Uh, and uh, you guys, uh, I assume, are pretty excited about working on the new stuff. Like, we, I mean. Could you even imagine a co-op kind of original Underworld at the time? Oh my gosh. No, I mean, it, it just really wasn't a thing in that type of game in those days. Oh, yeah. You know? I mean, online gaming in general like was practically non-existent, and certainly not, not you know, synchronous, real-time action gaming. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I mean, co-op was sitting there with your buddy and him going, no, 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 go there, go there, go there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Somebody, um, somebody had some grids and uh, chart paper and stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, this will be a very new thing for the franchise. Obviously, uh, you know, um, there's a lot of prior art for it at this point, um, and 
even even among looking glass games, I mean, there was in the in the late stage there was a there was a co-op mode in uh, System Shock Two, for example. Hmm. Uh, but uh, really, to to uh, to have the chance to to really plan on it again, again, as like I say, like from from the ground up, you know, is, is going to be a, a pretty exciting opportunity for us. And Paul, I know in particular, uh, has a lot of interesting ideas. Um, in terms of just uh, ways that he wants to to play around with the format, so that should be exciting. Yeah, no, it. it yeah, certainly it should be. I mean, um, and you guys have had a really big boost in the last few days. Um, yeah, oh, today in particular was huge. Yeah, yeah. Always, there's always a well, almost always, you know, sort of a an upswing at near the end of a of a campaign, and it's hard to tell when it's going to happen. I hope that this means it has started to happen because. What the kind of day we had today can can keep going for as long as it wants, as far as I'm concerned. Oh yeah, absolutely. Because um, I know you guys were in the four hundred thousand range for like a really long time. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah. I always back real early, so like I got in like almost immediately. So I've been the whole time being like, oh please. Yeah. Well, that's that's pretty <laughs> typical for the middle part of a Kickstarter campaign. And it's, yeah. It's, it's difficult and stressful to to wait and wonder like when the when the end game is going to start. Um, but we were always confident that it would and that we would that would be able to hit our after after we had a strong launch, we were we were always pretty confident that we were that we would hit our funding goal. So um but now now is when we get that get to actually see it occurring and that's very different from just sort of intellectually trusting that it will. Yeah, oh yeah, I know it's like a I imagine it's a huge load off. Um and so having I I had a I failed Kickstarter campaign a long time back and it's just like you just sit around and you wait and you wait and you wait and it's like, Oh god, I hope this happens. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, but yeah, so, uh, what, what are you guys thinking will be kind of like the, I, I mean, I, you probably can't really say much, but story-wise, I mean, it's in the same universe as the, uh, as the original, uh, Underworlds? It is. Um, and, well, and it's, it's funny, right? Because the original Underworld games were, were part of the Ultima series. Mm-hmm. Uh, they took place in their own kind of separated spaces, uh, with the exception of, you know, like... There was some crossover between Ultima Seven and Underworld Two. Um, right, you were in the yeah, you were in the uh, Lord British's castle, right? Yeah, you were lo- um, locked in. Yeah, but for the most part, they were they were pretty siloed off. Uh, and what we have available to us, we have uh, an unlimited license to all of the elements that that appeared in Ultima Underworld One and Ultima Underworld Two. Mm. We just don't have uh, the the trademark rights to the Ultima name. Mm. But uh, all of the lore and characters and setting uh, from the original two games is available to us. Oh, um, we uh, we've we've started to let out some hints about uh, our setting and storyline. Uh, the uh, the Stygian Abyss will appear, uh, and there's and we'll we'll let you wonder exactly how that's supposed to happen after the first game, <laughs> yeah, the eruption of the volcano and everything and. All that being buried under tons of lava, um, we uh, also uh, we have some some interesting uh, backstory connections uh, with Shroud of the Avatar, which is of course uh, Lord British's current uh, project, his sort yeah. of spiritual successor. To, to yeah, uh, I have some friends that work on that. It looks pretty cool. So uh, we've uh, we've started to talk about that. Uh, one of the the three major factions in our game, the Dark Elves. Are uh, are actually uh, expatriates from 
from the, the world of New Britannia, which is the setting of Shroud of the Avatar. Uh, and we actually uh, also have, for one of our early stretch goals, we have Tracy Hickman on tap yeah. to uh, write a novel about the Dark Elves Exodus to our world. Uh, so we're really excited about that as well. Uh, Tracy Hickman, of course, is you know a best-selling novelist and is a narrative designer on Shroud of the Avatar, and we were just thrilled to, to get him on board. Oh to, yeah, uh, that part of our narrative development. So we've got lots of interesting stuff going on. Yeah, that's uh, it's really awesome. Like I love Tracy Hickman. Um, I, yeah, I mean, it's hard to find any more uh, iconic, like kind of D and ish D and D fantasy than uh, the Dragonlance novels. Oh, for sure. Um, yeah, no, that's that's really cool. That's really cool. Now, I, I think it's amazing that basically it seemed like this property was just kind of waiting for someone to yeah. do something with it. I mean, uh, with with the 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 number of games and that this series has influenced over the years. I mean, are you guys at all? I, I mean, what a stroke of luck to just be able to go back to it. I mean, I don't know if luck's the right word, but it just seems unfathomable to me that that it's just been sitting there. Well, it kind of is luck. It's 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 sort of a matter of of. Uh... You eventually score if you take enough shots on goal. Mm-hmm. Uh, what what happened was, uh, you know, of course, we did the original Ultimate Underworld games with Origin Systems, and they were uh, they were acquired by uh, EA around the time of the uh, the I guess shortly before the uh, the Ultima Online era. <laughs> yeah. Um, and you know, if you look at EA's business, there there just really isn't a place in their catalog for the kind of games that we were doing. They they weren't particularly doing doing, you know, fantasy role-playing or anything in those days. And, you know, even now, you know, it's hard to say that that that, that there's really, like, somewhere in the EA brand where they really know what to do with with uh, with Ultima. They've, they've tried to use it for some things, uh, and obviously they're still keeping the Ultima brand, but ultimately uh, it just became apparent that, that uh, they were not getting uh, any value out of just sitting on Underworld. Uh, and and Paul, of course, um, every every time he was between projects, he would return to to find out. You know, you know, is the time right now? Can we can we make some kind of arrangement around these games? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, just a combination of 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 uh, factors where you know, in the passage of time, uh, finally he was able to come to a deal to secure the rights. So uh, after trying, literally, I think you know, every three years or so for twenty years. Um, so yeah, that's the story behind that, and it's it is pretty remarkable. Yeah, it's yeah, it's awesome. I mean, it doesn't. On the one hand, knowing that it's EA, it doesn't surprise me. I mean, they they very much have like they're like okay, well we have we have Dragon Age, and they they tried with um, what was it the uh, the the, uh, the Rhode Island uh, game thirty eight. Uh, yeah, yeah, the Kurt Schilling game. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. But, but, I mean, it seems like they're very much like, okay, no, we have this fantasy thing, Dragon Age, that's our fantasy thing. So, um, which is sad that, I mean, I understand that they, you know, you've got to kind of pick and choose where to put stuff. But, you know, just to, to, to think that, you know, there's a franchise like Underworld, or I'm sorry, Ultima, that's just like sitting there. <laughs> I mean. Yeah, it's a little strange. Dude, do yeah. you not want people's money like that? <laughs> yeah, of course, the thing, the thing with them, of course, is any project that they that they choose to pursue is some other project that they're not, and so they're looking at the opportunity costs for everything that they do. Uh, whereas in our case, it's you know this is something that we want to do. We think that there's an audience there for it um, that that we can make a business out of, 
uh, and then we think that you know we're the best suited to do it, which of course is a, a big part of it as well. You know, the, they're aware that it's difficult to take one of these franchises and give it to just any team and have that succeed. It you know right. it, it can be it can be hard to take on someone else's someone else's baby and and really understand it in the way that is necessary to do it justice. Uh, <laughs> so. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't say it. <laughs> I did. I did. So that I think is, was was very much part of of the discussion between between uh, between Paul and uh, and his contacts at EA as well. Is is uh, it just made a lot more sense uh, to uh, to have us work? But I, that and uh, you know, there are so many properties you guys worked on that I guess have been kind of shuffled around, and I'm almost surprised that like they didn't give uh, Bioware, you know, uh, or maybe Bioware didn't want to do anything with Ultima, but uh, you know that just seems like like the kind of crew that at least they could give it to. Um, yeah, I don't know, and and as I say, you know, EA is, re- is retaining the uh, the Ultima brand name, so so uh, who knows what might still happen there, but. But uh, that's kind of out of my hands. Oh yeah, I mean, um, <laughs> that's, <laughs> yeah. We're just focusing on Underworld Ascendant now. The way, yeah, which is uh, which is awesome. And I, I get, does does Ken Levine's group have the shock, or who has System Shock? Oh, you know, System Shock. Last I heard, um, the there's there's some lack of clarity about the System Shock. Right probably now. these. The, the smart answer. Right. Uh, so Shock 2's rights are with the company that does the 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 uh, the reboot the the, uh, the redo for Steam. Yeah. Um, and oh, okay. Knows who has Shock 3? Well, just... yeah, and and System Shock. Actually, one of the things that that made Underworld an easier an easier prospect to try to to deal with, it was very early in Looking Glass's uh, history as a company that we did Ultima Underworld. Which meant that that Origin had all the rights to it, free and clear, right? We were a small right. independent group and and had and had no intellectual property rights to it. Which meant that when Looking Glass went out of business, there was there was nothing to sort of muddy the waters about who owned Ultima Underworld, right? It was it was Origin, and and you know by by succession it was EA. Um, whereas Looking Glass had certain rights, I don't know exactly which, um, involved in System Shock. Um, and as soon as you get into the, to the Looking Glass liquidation, that with some of the rights being held by by whoever ended up with that stuff, and some of them being held by the publisher, that's uh, that's what made System Shock always always kind of uh, the less attainable dream of the two. But uh, but nothing is impossible, so we'll just uh, keep our fingers crossed for the future on that. Yeah, I know a lot of people love, of course, the Shock series, and yeah, you know, I mean Bioshock has done a little bit of a. Kind of resurgence here and there, but uh, but it's not it's not the same. System Shock Two is like no, the great no. the greatest game. <laughs> and I and I, I have to say, I mean, I love the Bioshock games, uh, particularly for my money. The first one was the one that like really did it for me. Yeah, me too, one hundred percent. But but they're not the same kind of game, right? Like they've right. gone in much more of a of a sh- of a shooter direction, and you know, and that's fine. It's it's uh, what's let Ken do what uh, what he was interested in doing with his stories uh, and such. Um, but you know, we're we're Right now, you know, more interested in in uh, the RPG style game, um, which is you know kind of uh, kind of more the direction of System Shock Two. Like we were just talking about the other day, we did a Twitch stream of of that game, uh, <laughs> and 
there is a lot of applicability there to the kinds of things that we're going to be doing in On the World Descendant, for sure. That's awesome. Um, you know, I don't know if I actually mentioned this earlier, but your company is uh, Other Side Entertainment. Uh, so, uh, That's right. Yeah, if anybody wants to, you know, go to the to, to their website, check it out. Yep, you can find it on othersideentertainment.com. And, uh, yeah, um, but the... Uh, <laughs> I can't believe I forgot to mention that. But the... Uh, yeah, there's uh, there's so much uh, interesting stuff coming up on uh, Kickstarter itself. Uh, anything you guys are personally backing or interested in that's uh, on right now? Yeah, actually, I'm I'm backing several several products that are still still going right now. Uh, gosh, um, there's um, there's a couple of board game projects. I'm a big board gamer. Oh yeah, I was uh, I was going to ask because yeah, we always talk about board games here. Yeah, so uh, uh, I don't know if you saw. Uh, Richard Borg, who of course is known oh. for his Command Colors mm-hmm. series, uh, he's kickstarting his World War One version of that, uh, sort of like you know, like a World War One version of Memoir Forty Four, which yeah. is the, the elevator pitch for it, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, called the Great War, and I'm a I'm a backer of that. Awesome. Um, and uh, uh, I'm forgetting the designer's name, but they'll come to me in just a moment um, because they're on the computer in front of me. <laughs> Mark. Marco Rukowski and Marcel uh, Suchelbeck, who uh, who were, I guess, um, the designers of Fresco uh, for Queen Games. They are kickstarting a game now that um, I'm I'm still looking at. Looks interesting, but uh, but I did like Fresco, so um, so yeah, that's that that's a promising one too. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I'm, uh, I had to jump on Toe Jam and Earl. Uh... They <laughs> put up. Yeah, a... that just uh, just the other day that launched. Yeah. Right? Oh yeah. Uh, as, we're, as we're recording this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. It's uh yeah I'm I'm pretty psyched. I'm a big Toe Jam fan from back in the day. We actually I'm going to have the designer on in a couple of weeks, so stay tuned for that. Uh, yeah. but yeah, what what board games do you guys uh do you guys play the most lately? Um, these days for me, um, it's. I, w- this was not really something that I that I pursued on purpose, but it's been all co-ops lately for me. Really? Uh, yeah, I've been playing uh, a lot of Sentinels of the Multiverse, mm. uh, a bunch of uh, Flashpoint Fire Rescue. Cool. Um, I've heard of that one. I, I haven't played it, but I've heard of. Uh, okay, so. Yeah, it's, it's a good, that was actually a, um, it was a, originally a uh, a print and play self published game that that uh, only only kind of really made it through its own Kickstarter a few years ago now. Um, and uh, kind of like the name would suggest, you play firefighters uh, trying to keep a burning building from <laughs> from falling down too quickly. <laughs> Pretty much, the, the destruction of the building is always inevitable, but you have to rescue a certain number of of uh, of you know, uh, residents right. uh, before before things spiral completely out of control. So it's a, it's a it's a great theme for a co-op. Um, you know, there's there's you can have a great a great co-op without as strong a theme you know i think oh, uh, yeah. like uh, what is the game uh hanabi the fireworks game okay like, that's, not, like, that's not a super theme for a co-op but it's a great <laughs> game um but it really helps right like yeah particularly like when you when you don't have like the kind of competitive uh fire going having having like a really strong heroic theme for a co-op i find like can really can really uh i don't know Oh yeah, it, it makes a difference. One hundred percent thematically makes so a difference. Firefighting, firefighting is great for that. Uh, it's got good. Uh, it's got good specialization of, of of player roles, which is another like really strong element to have in a co-op. Um, 
and it's got quite a few expansions now with different rules oh. variants and and, uh, and map boards and stuff. So I like it a lot. That's cool. I have to check that out. I've I've been playing a bunch of co-op too, uh, like the you know Pathfinder card game and um, uh, Pandemic. Um, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm actually playing playing both of those lately. Uh, Pandemic more recently, but. Yeah, that's a that's a pretty cool game. It's very it can be a very difficult game. Um, yes, it certainly can. <laughs> but hey, Chris, you uh, into board gaming at all? Uh, I'm not a big board God. gamer. Well, never mind. <laughs> it's sorry, ruin the podcast. Uh, uh, sorry, no. Um, not very big. Well, I was just like going through. I don't know. I I play with my neighbor every once in a while. He's a big board gamer, and uh, so just trying to look up the names of the ones that we played. He just pulls things out, and I'm, I'm like, sure, whatever. <laughs> um, uh, Takenoko, the panda and the right, bamboo. the bamboo game. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I've seen that one. Yeah, we played that recently, and the. Uh, and the cops and robbers game where you got the guns. That oh, uh, um, right. Um, God, why is it? Why am I? Why uh, am I blanking now? Yeah, I don't know that one. Cash and guns. Oh. Cash and guns. Cash and guns. Yes. Yeah. A tough, Great party. Oh, that one's pretty straightforward. <laughs> Seems like yeah, <laughs> tough name. Game <laughs> <laughs> with the guns. What's it called? The guns and the cash. You're... You've got cash. You've got guns. Uh, it it's weird. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I I fell off the tabletop thing, uh, you, you know, right around when uh, I had kids, and uh, I'm sort of missing the revolution here. I got a I got a lot to catch up on. Yeah, I'll just get... raid uh, Tim's uh, uh, Tim Tim's stash at some point. I was gonna say we should get you playing Sentinels in the Multiverse or something. Jeff was expressing interest the other day, so I'll I'll I'm game to play anything. Yeah. All right. Well. Well, pictures of my whole, well, almost my whole collection are up on that, that forum thread on our, <laughs> we were discussing this on the, on the other side of entertainment forums, so. Oh, nice. I'll have to go check that out. <laughs> um, any. Yeah, take your pick. <laughs> any, like, uh, no, no games you. After the, after the campaigns. Oh, yeah. No, obviously. It's like, uh, I recently had a. Not be. I recently had a uh, Rod Humble on uh, after he uh, did uh, Cults and Daggers, and uh, yeah, I was asking him about games. He's like, I haven't played anything since I released my game. Uh, that's pretty much bug fixing time. And uh, yeah, I'm sure you guys are going to be pretty busy uh, as well. Let's see. Ready. Um, so, are you guys playing any current like PC or console games or anything? That's that's Chris more than me. I've been. I've been deep in the prior art <laughs> search for for uh, for developing uh, Ascendant. So it's been all all the back catalog of Looking Glass games and stuff. It's mostly been all I've been doing for that, which is great. It's <laughs> having uh, oh, yeah. having to having to play System Shock Two for work. I mean, no one will cry for me. Uh, yeah, it's horrible. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've been playing. Um, well, last night I spent the whole night playing Homeworld. Oh, uh, oh yeah. Yeah, that's right. They did that re-release Gearbox. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, it's still a good game. Oh yeah. Well, <laughs> that that game is awesome. Uh, I absolutely love Homeworld. It, it's such a interesting pace that goes on with that game. Yeah. You know, it's like almost zen-like. You're building your little ships, and that, and then just come total chaos. And yeah, oh, very cool. Beer, total beer and pretzels game. Yeah, it totally is. Yeah, I, I 
I love games like that, though. Um, Tom and I played a whole bunch of um, that other one that's just like it by the same team. <laughs> that Anyway. The excitement of me never remembering game names. But, uh... <laughs> Uh, but yeah, the uh, Brandon, I know you've been playing Majora's Mask, right? Yeah, I've been playing um, Majora's Mask on the, the new 3DS and um, just loving the heck out of it. It's one of those things where I'm three quarters of the way done in terms of the number of temples to go. And I, I kind of want to drag out uh, the end of it because I, I really don't want it to end. Um, but at the same time, you know, there is this moon that's going to crash into the planet and kill everybody. So I feel like I have a bit of a responsibility to the residents of Clocktown and the outlying areas to, you know, actually deal with this problem rather than just drag it out uh, because, uh, you know, I don't want it to end. But um, I'd yeah, love play- to save the world, but I'm having so much fun. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's, you know, for me, I, I play so many games and I typically am juggling you know, three or four games at a time, that's oftentimes games just become, you know, they become something that I go, okay, well, um, I, I'm okay. I'm ready for this game to be done. Like I yeah. find that, I find that of late, um, you know, I feel like games are kind of padded out, you know, maybe just to give an appearance of a better value or whatever. Um, and so, so most of the time when I, and I, I don't like to leave games unfinished, um, so, but I'll, so a lot of times when I'm, when I'm done with the game, I'm like, okay, I'm ready for this game to be done. And, and, and so when I finally get to one that I don't want it to end, you know, that's such just a Zelda games just have a special place, um, in my heart. They, they typically kind of tug at those heartstrings for me that I really don't want to leave, you know, the residents of, of the world because they always do such a great job of making this really kind of weird quirky folks to to hang out with um and then um speaking of games that i was ready to be over with i finished assassin's creed unity uh the other night so um hey. so uh that was interesting uh, i'm not sure where to put it in my list of assassin's creed games but uh it's not going to be at the top i can tell you that much <laughs> i uh i actually haven't finished it uh i know didn't they recently uh do the thing where they uh, made it to where just everybody can get the chests and stuff. Yeah, which was a nice a nice little boost. Uh, so basically, yeah, they well they had around Christmas time when when um you know the services were having all their different outages. Um, they they untied some of the chests to the um, initiates uh system, and they never they never turned it back on. And then they recently so they also had a companion app. The Nomad yeah. app because Ubisoft loves their companion apps, Ugh. and um, they 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 tied they they untethered it from that because I guess they could never get it right where it was syncing. I, I never had a problem with it syncing. I was it always synced up just fine for me. But I guess a significantly uh, large number of people didn't have the same luck, and so they they untied um, the uh, the restrictions of their, their both chests and and some companion missions. Um, so it's a shame because I mean. Technically speaking, there's a lot of really cool technical aspects to the game, even if like narratively it wasn't quite, you know, for me, it didn't grab me as much as some of the other ones did. Um, it's kind of a shame that, you know, the game was put out in the state that it was because, um, I mean, there's still problems, even though they fixed a large number of them, but that, that you know, oh yeah, uh, you know, that the team that worked on it didn't, you know, they, 
it's it's always unfortunate when when stuff like this happens. Um, but uh, you know, there, there's a lot of cool stuff in the game that, uh, unfortunately, I don't know how many people are going to miss out on because, you know, rightfully so, it was put out in the state that it was that people probably passed on it and don't want to take a shot. Um, and I, I don't blame them for that. It's just a shame. That- yeah, I mean, you know, honestly, I liked Unity. I played it on the Xbox One, so it was the least broken of all of them. Uh, I just kind of fell out of love with it for some reason. <laughs> I, I don't know. Uh, the story just kind of lost me after a while. Yeah, they it, it it same thing with me. I mean, there, there's some things that happen in the game that they never really resolve, and and um, and you're just, so you're just kind of left wondering, wondering like, okay, well, uh, what what's supposed to happen there? You know, are they gonna are they gonna do anything else with that? And then they never do, and you're just like, um, oh, okay, so uh, uh, all right, <laughs> you know, there there really isn't they don't do a very good job of kind of letting you feel like Arno is a bigger part of this assassin's world and, and giving you any real reason to care about what happens to him after uh, what happens in these games. Whereas I feel like in the other games, they did a much better job of kind of making you wonder, you know, what happened to these guys or story after these games. Right. Yeah. Um, and you know, it's funny. It's like, uh, speaking of going back to uh, Majora's mask, that is like the one game, uh, I never played of all the Zeldas. I never played Majora's Mask. So yeah, neither had I. Well, I take that back. I played it long enough to think that the the whole three day thing was ext- incredibly stressful. And and it's funny because at the beginning of the game it, it is, but it's really only once. Like once you once you kind of get far enough in the game uh, to learn the song that lets you rewind time, it stops being stressful. And I didn't give it that chance uh, when I played it the first time uh, okay. to get to the point where to realize, uh, oh, it's, it's it's not what you think it is. Um, so, yeah, I, um, I was always curious about that too because I, I knew about the countdown and everything. I just, I never realized that, huh? Yeah, yeah so, well, so basically, say that again. Uh, I was thinking that's a shame because, uh, I mean, I think I think to some extent it needs that initial stress to make the the whole conceit yes. of the game pay off. Right. But it's obviously right. like this delicate balance where you're going to lose some people if you uh, don't get it right. Right. And it's it's really weird and and I mean it's kind of creepy and uh, to begin with and it's it's a big change from especially coming off the heels of Volcarina. It's like uh wow, this is very very different but also different in kind of an, uh, an unsettling way. Some, some uh, dark and edgy shit going on over at Nintendo. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right. And it's and um, but you know, I'm glad that's how they do it because it, it's such a. I think it it works so much better because it's such a break uh, from what came before. Um, but yeah, I mean, you're you're right. They they you, they definitely run the risk, especially if you're kind of used to being able to go to Zelda games at your own pace to be like, okay, wait a minute. So first of all, not only um, is there a countdown to where I'm gonna these people are gonna die. But I also have to continually like rewind time and do things over, and so so you're kind of starting the game off by saying, "Hey, not only are you on a timer, but you're also going to have to replay a bunch of things." But it's not it's not that way at all. It, I mean, I, it it is that way, but it it's it's not. Um, and especially now with the remake, the way that they made changes to certain things, like um, you know the the, the song of of. Uh, the inverted song of time and and some other things i mean they really like you you would have to be really really bad at at some of these dungeons <laughs> to to run out of time in them i mean you would have to be just 
and nowadays too with the with the fact that it's a it's a handheld so you can just close no, it up yeah exactly finding safe points and things like that <laughs> um and the internet i mean there really is no unless you're someone who just you know is 100 percent opposed to help <laughs> i mean there's really it, it'd be really difficult i think to to get yourself in a situation where you're going to have to completely restart a dungeon because you didn't have enough time yeah well and your your, your comment about the difference between uh between uh, majora's mask and ocarina of time in particular you know like really kind of reminds me uh once again of uh how how different nintendo is in their treatment of they're so much more adventurous with their with their flagships um, yes. than, than most any other company, right? And they, they, they take these design risks to do interesting things. Uh, and and they, use, they use their brands as kind of a seal of quality, which, which means, like, they have an easier time, like, selling the game because they don't, they don't have to explain lyrics. Okay, it's a new Zelda game. I get that. You know, if they put Mario on it, that means that they know it's good. You know, like, all, all of that is, a, like, a very different strategy than you see with lots of other companies flagship titles where they're much much more conservative with them right right i mean the fact is um i you know the the type of uh, game that majora's mask is and the type of game that ocarina was like i mean just no other company would do that and i realized that this was done you know decades ago but um but still i mean nowadays there is no way that if they had if you had a hit franchise a huge game you know you put out uh, a game that is not only a high watermark for your series but you know, widely widely considered one of the best games of all time, and then you're gonna follow it up with this creepy, weird. <laughs> you know, like, like, I mean, I, I mean, there's I cannot think of any other. I can't think of any other situation where this type of thing happened. And I'm, you know, I'm 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 kicking myself. It's one of those things where I, you know, on the one hand, I'm glad that I didn't play it at first because. Because that feeling you get of of oh my god this was is so good I don't know the, the, like on the one hand I, I wish I had played it because I, I you know I, I basically all this time I could have played it uh, but at the same time this kind of this this feeling of discovery is um, I don't know it somehow it just kind of seems heightened knowing that okay I tried it and then I I, I put it aside you know you failed I, yourself is what you did. I, yeah, but at, the, but at the same time, it's, it, it kind of validates going, okay, well, maybe – I mean so often we try things. I mean nowadays it's so hard to hold people's attention, right? I mean there's so many different things that are vying for people's attentions. Uh, I mean I, we're the most you know, ADD-addled people ever. You can't – people can't go five seconds without looking at their phone or checking Twitter or whatever, mm, all that true. all that crap. So, so – to, to stick with something, even though initially it turns you off, and then have that turn into a really rewarding experience, um, it's just really cool, and it just kind of gives you incentive to do that with other games or other, you know, to, to try something and say, okay, you know, maybe when I initially look at it, it doesn't look like it's my thing, but I'm going to try it, and we're going to see what happens. Um, well, yeah, I've I've uh, certainly soldiered through <laughs> the first parts of a few games and found some good stuff, or. But yeah, that's really cool for Majora's. I'm really looking forward to playing it since you forced me to purchase a new 3DS. I did. I, I, <laughs> I, I believe. Yeah. I, uh, yeah uh, the, well, the coolest thing so far is the 3D correction, man. That's that's it's great. that's awesome. 
Because I couldn't use a 3D basically before. It's like I don't think any, I don't think anybody freaked me out too I much. Think, <laughs> I don't think anybody could. I mean, you move your head like a millimeter, and the next thing you know, you have a you have a migraine because it can't you know it doesn't sync up right again. Right. So like yeah, that is a that is a good time. Uh, and and that that little you know that little C stick you wouldn't think it would make that much of a difference but holy cats it, it really does I was playing I downloaded there's some uh, it's basically it looks like it's trying to be Gears of War on the 3DS and I downloaded this demo and I don't really games like that I don't really have an interest in playing on a handheld but with the little C stick now and being able to swing the camera around and I mean it was it was fantastic and then also having those extra shoulder buttons. great revisements to their hardware that seem like common sense that you're like why couldn't you have done this before but the reason is because i keep buying them so why should they do (laughs) you know why should they do that before i mean in some cases they just didn't think that it was necessary but then in other cases you know you're like you know, okay, two more shoulder buttons. Who who's not gonna who's who's gonna be upset about about the ability to have more inputs? I mean, if you don't need them, don't use them. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, absolutely. If, if you look at, at at you know the the whole history of the 3ds to the DS to the GBA before it to the original Game Boy, there's yeah, you know, there's a, it's 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 very consistent with these you know regular incremental improvements mm-hmm. um, and. They're just they're just really on top of it that way. Yeah, yeah. they really are. Um, you know, and as much as I like the C stick, you are totally right though. It it is basically a think a ThinkPad <laughs> mouse. It's a ThinkPad nubbin. Yeah. yeah. Oh my god, I hate those things. <laughs> but yeah, it is it is welcome to be able to use. Hopefully, see like, but that's the thing is, I bought one of those uh, adapters for Monster Hunter. Uh-huh. I bought it from yep. Japan. Of course, I don't think it works with this, but. It doesn't. It would be totally awesome if it did because it has a thumbstick on it. <laughs> right. Right. But oh well. Yeah. Oh well. Yeah, that's what I get for purchasing a stupid Monster Hunter freaking thing. Oh. <laughs> anyway, I always get talked into like every Monster Hunter, and I never I, complete I, I them. Actually, I have the new one coming. Of course. I, was, I, oh. I tried it. I tried it on the Vita, and uh, I couldn't get into it. But people are like, "Oh, this is a great place." To jump in, and I'm like, that's what I need. I need, I need another, another obsession at this point. So, oh yeah, we'll give it a try. <laughs> um, well, yeah, okay, well, guys, um, I think we're kind of nearing the end here. So, uh, anything you guys would like to mention for uh, for the Kickstarter or for other side uh, before we uh, close out? Uh. Go ahead, Tim. No, no, I was uh, I was actually just about to invite you to jump in. I wasn't sure if you were still there. <laughs> uh, yep, I'm still here. I've, I had a little connectivity issue, sir, but nothing a hammer can't solve. Hell yeah. Um. Uh. Well, we got. Excuse me. Seven days left here. Yeah. Um. We're we're about. You you uh, gained another uh, fifteen hundred or so since the podcast started. So. I know. In, in the time we've been talking, <laughs> watching it pick up is. No, it's it's. It it's been like I said, it's been oh like God. this all day. Yeah. So we're at about fourteen grand shy of our our basic goal. Yeah. Uh, so please come, pledge, help us out, help us, you know, uh, make some games that no publisher would touch with a ten foot pole. Yeah, you better. You know, <laughs> I want this I'm game. Glad, <laughs> they had the chance too. That. I'm glad you mentioned that because I, I feel like Kickstarter, like there's so many great 
games that are coming out of Kickstarter that that just don't fit kind of the traditional model now. And thank God that this platform is there for people to make these kind of games because, I mean, just like me personally, I, I played Wasteland Two, and no, no one's gonna touch a game like Wasteland Two. It's, oh it's, no, <laughs> it's harsh. It's unfor. It's it is as harsh and unforgiving as the landscape that it inhabits. Yeah. Um. But but thank God that it it it's it's being made. Same thing with the. Uh, same thing with uh, the new Torment game, which I, I just can't wait for. And there's so many great games coming out. And I think that, you know, for you guys to have this opportunity to take this franchise back and give it the treatment it deserves, um, I think it's fantastic. So, so yeah, yeah. people, come, pledge. Yeah, bring, please. Yeah. Bring and ultimate back. We were, we were talking about this, uh, I forget where, just, just, just recently. You know, like, I think there was, there was really a period there as the as the market expanded to include so many people as gamers, you know that that it, to really become a, a mass audience. Uh, back when you had to fight for shelf space for your physical box, that kind of really crowded out some of the traditional game forms. But uh, with the online distribution and with crowdfunding, like it's now possible to 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 serve that that uh, that audience once again. So. Right. And there's definitely an audience there for it. I mean, it, it, you know, if you, uh, you know, you, I, th- I think that there's been en- enough projects at this point in time to show that, like, you make a good game, you you stick to what you're, you know, you do what you say you're going to do, you know, you you make a, a a good game, that people are more than happy to to come and and back it. And I think I'm wondering if now that the uptick what you're seeing is the people that had been on the fence going, oh shit, they're actually going to make it. Like, let me get in on this now, you know, before. Uh, you know, that, while we can get in at the beginning, yeah, that does happen. Uh, actually, yeah. I, I bet you that's a large portion of like the last couple of days is usually where you see that big boost for yeah. people that are like, There's, "Well, it's made it. I might as well get in." Yeah, it's yeah. really happening now. So okay, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's almost the equivalent of people doing pre-orders, and I know I've been guilty of that too. You know, I was guilty of no, that with, yeah, last uh, with minute, Star yeah. Citizen. Yeah. yeah, I'm guilty of it too all the time, but. Uh... And, <laughs> And Star Citizen's still going to get another two hundred and fifty dollars out of me for that constellation. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that's okay. It's going right to the developers, you know. And uh, I think that's one of the other things that people don't understand when it comes to you know Kickstarters and crowd for, uh, crowdsourcing and all that. You know, this money goes funnels directly into development. It's not going through the publisher and then to you know the marketing department and yada 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 you know all this money gets funneled right into making the game yeah right. which is awesome that's the best um but yeah um i want to thank you guys for coming on uh and i mean i'm positive the game's going to get funded so at this point i'm just hoping that uh, it just blows the roof off we get co-op and uh all that stuff you know um so let's hope uh, let's hope that happens. Uh, crazier things have happened for sure, and uh, yeah. and you're on a pretty good you're on a pretty good uh, trend right now. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, so everybody, go please check that out. Uh, and as for the website uh, for uh, quarter to three, uh, please, if you're listening to us on iTunes, rate us positively. Otherwise, don't. That's fine. And uh, if you want to help us out, you know, if you're visiting the site, maybe turn off Adblock or watch uh, or search through Amazon the Amazon link on the side because we get a small pittance for whatever doodads you purchase from Amazon if you go through quarter to three. Um, and as always, 
We want to thank everybody for listening uh, and for Jason McMaster, Brandon Kakowski-Schnell, Chris Siegel, and Tim Stelmach. Uh, thank you all for being here, and we will see you again next week. I didn't see where you coming from But I know just what you wrote in